Welcome to the Holistic Psychiatrist Podcast, a place for inspiration, insight, and information on holistic mental health. Join your host, Dr. Alice Lee, and discover critical information on safe, effective psychiatric medication withdrawal. Explore new ideas that enlighten and expand the mind with cutting-edge authors and experts, along with former patients as they share their miraculous healing journeys. It's time to build your well-being from the thought up. It's time for the Holistic Psychiatrist Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Alice Lee. Hello and welcome to the Holistic Psychiatrist Podcast, where we're building well-being from the thought up and healing is a miraculous, joyful journey. I'm your host, Dr. Alice Lee, the holistic psychiatrist practicing in Lehigh, Utah. Today, I'm really excited to talk to my patient, Anna, and I've asked her to come onto the podcast because she has been lowering six different psychiatric medications with ease. I felt like she has much to share in terms of how she's able to make this successful. Our whole podcast is all about the process of healing. I want to talk about the importance of the autonomic nervous system being placed in that relaxed state so that it can focus on healing because so many people try to heal when they're in very stressful situations without really realizing that it's not just all biology. You have to address the stressors around in your social and other environmental factors, whether it's a stressful job or dysfunctional family dynamics or it could even be environmental factors where the house might be too moldy or there might be a lot of inappropriate diet that is creating food sensitivity. So in your situation, though, I think one part of why also you're so successful at this whole process of withdrawing from six different medications is that you can control the amount of stress in your life. Mm-hmm. You're not back into that busy corporate world. And you're focusing on doing things that help you to feel joyful and help you to feel great about life. I think that's really important and it's really key. So stress is just a common part of our lives. We have to learn how to function and respond to stress appropriately, right? So I can say I was not a good responder. So historically, I would have been overwhelmed and very hyper, very type A, right? All of these things that are really eating up my autonomic nervous system. And I'm really in sympathetic drive, sympathetic overdrive all the time. I got so used to that like cocktail of stress that I thought it was normal. It wasn't normal. It was just what I was used to. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that that had a lot to do with my experience going through a psychiatric event or whatever we want to call it, that I realized and I really appreciate it now, the difference in my life and how easy it is that I've been able to find a way to get into that operating system through meditation. And getting into that operating system means that I have control over my autonomic nervous system and can shift it to a parasympathetic place. So even if I get a little tiny bit of stress, it just bounces right off of me. Mm -hmm. Before that might really maybe take a little while for me to process that. Now it literally comes in 
It goes out. You know, everything's very easy. Nothing much that rattles me. I just, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely a different personality. That's another thing I think is important to my journey is that you can't be the same person anymore. You really have to transform. Right. I love that word. You're not going to get better by being the old you. Exactly. You got to be a new you. Right. So I think for me, a lot of the work was around recognizing the feelings, behaviors, emotions that I no longer wanted to take with me. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to switch them out for Mm -hmm. other emotions and feelings and behaviors that were going to help me, support me and enable me to live that full expression of myself and feel a Mm -hmm. real sense of well-being. Well, there was a time in which when you weren't doing well on the medications, when I think the doctors made you feel, as she said, you know, like a troublemaker and that you weren't being successful and you were feeling frustrated because you were doing everything they asked you to do. But unfortunately, it wasn't working for you at that time. And so they just keep adding different types of medications to try to make it work. And to some extent, it's good that you came to my office somewhat stable and I didn't have to do anything that was a crisis intervention, that kind of thing. So we can just start building your health back up with Mm -hmm. some tweaking of your supplement regimen. But we had to work on self-esteem issues, Mm -hmm. self-esteem issues that can come from our healing experience itself. And that is one of the areas we had to focus on, not just traumas from the past, but traumas that can occur from the illness. What was it like for you in terms of the way the illness affected your self-esteem? Because you talk about some of these labels you're given and some of the things that you hear from the doctors, like you always have to be on these meds. And how did that affect your self-esteem? I would say that I've always been a very confident person. And it doesn't mean that I may not have moments of a confidence shakeup, but for the most part, a very confident person. I thought of myself as a very bright woman and capable person and certainly able to understand anything, really, as long as it's explained well to me. But when this happened to me, you lose a big part of yourself. That self that is defined as capable, smart, confident is gone because your brain isn't functioning. And I've learned to use different words. I think words are very powerful and words constantly tell the body something. So if you're repeating a word that is disempowering, I believe you're taking energy away from yourself. So to remove all of those labels, I've been diagnosed as bipolar. I've been diagnosed as depressive, general anxiety, all of these labels. But now I just define that period of my time as almost like a brain injury that resulted in all of these behaviors. Because if your brain's not functioning right, it doesn't matter who you are. You are not going to act like yourself. You're not going to be able to think clearly. You're not going to be rational. You're not going to have executive function. All of those things are gone. Your brain is offline. Mm -hmm. Before I had that confidence around that, what I felt was that the me that was really this really capable person was gone. And now others saw me as this crazy person. Really, she's crazy. She's because my behavior was so erratic and so 
just unexplainable, really just doing things that made no sense and paranoid. And I mean, all of these things that you would think about that you would imagine when you hear the word crazy, that experience was very hard on my self-esteem because I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I thought, oh my gosh, everybody knows me as this capable person. And now they must think that I'm the furthest thing from that. So it took time for me to rebuild that sense of self back and to rebuild my sense of humanity, because it really does take your humanity away. Mm. Your ability to be an advocate for yourself and your ability to convey that to a doctor when you can't think straight is impossible. It's very easy for doctors then to add labels in terms of personality disorder or to judge the person as someone who they're not during those circumstances. And it does get communicated in their nonverbals and even the way they talk to you. There's a certain sense of condescension sometimes that can come through that can then affect one's self-esteem during those circumstances, I think. Yes, absolutely. Right. Thank you so much for sharing that because I, I feel that it's really important for people to work on those healing aspects as they're healing from their illness to be able to address how the illness affected their identity and just kind of get back to who they are. But as you were talking, I was thinking about something that I was discussing with someone else. I think it's really important for the audience to be made aware of, and that is on a spiritual level. There is something going on there. And from my perspective and opinion, it is that it's really important for us to know ourselves beyond what the brain does, beyond what our body does, and to start to appreciate what the spirit within us is capable of doing. So there's a part of you that didn't get erased just because your brain was offline. And that was this desire to get better and the go-toitiveness. You were definitely very enthusiastic about getting your health back. There was something about you that is still Anna, even though you were on six different medications that were changing your brain's biochemistry. And that was the Anna that got you to this point and will get you to the next point where eventually you'll be off the meds and be able to move on with your journey so that On a spiritual level, I think what's important for us all to learn is that we can transform even these types of negative experiences into something amazing for us. So you use the word transformation. I think on a spiritual level, it's almost like you come into the world and you say, I'm going to really build something really amazing in my sandbox. And this is what I'm going to build. Perhaps for people who are struggling with mental health issues, what they're trying to build on a spiritual level is an awareness of themselves beyond what the brain and the body does, that they are more than that and be able to apply that creator within themselves, the the beautiful spiritual being that they are on the problem, even when the world only recognizes the problem as that person's entire identity. And that's a really important thing to kind of walk away with once you've healed is that you start to realize, hey, you know, I might have had this health issue, but that is not who I am. It -hmm. is the true me that got myself healed from that circumstance, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And I think that we did a, a therapeutic session where we talked about that. And that really helped me reframe a lot of those feelings to look at the events that had happened as really this kind of, I think you called it a spiritual project. <laughs> so in my professional life, you know, I'm very used to dealing with big projects. And those projects are usually things that create something new. And so it's difficult, it's challenging, it's all those things, but it's also kind of fun because you're fixing problems and whatever. So I think that was a phrase that I really took away as something to really think about that you had said something like, well, you know, it could be that whatever you were tasked to do or whatever you were doing before in your business world, in your professional world, that now you have a new project you've been given a bigger project and that's the project you're working on right now. And so what I thought was really interesting about that is because a lot of the skills that I use as a professional person, I use in this process. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very organized. I have lists, I write notes, I have goals, I have objectives, you know, so some of those skills are still there. I still use them. I'm just using them in a different way, which is another nice way for me to kind of, ah, that's me. That's what I do. That's, you know, that's what made me so successful is that I think a certain way that's very rational and I'm very process oriented and I'm very goal oriented. And those are rewards for me, right? It's like I had a, a, I had a goal when we first started working because I was sleeping till 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, which is to me really late. And you were like, don't worry about it. That's fine. It's not a problem. That'll get fixed, you know, as as we keep coming down on the medication. So almost every day I would write down that goal and write down, you know, I wanted to get up sometime between seven and eight, sometime between seven and eight. And then when it happened, I was like, oh my God, it happened. So it seems silly, but just that being able to do that again, because I'm not sedated mm-hmm. with medications is just, it's really, it's wonderful. It is. It's- and not only that, but you've been climbing and hiking. Yes. Like, yeah. Very tough hikes, I hear. Yeah. yeah. So that was another thing I thought was funny with, with the work that we've been doing and kind of my reassessing of my spiritual self and, and my energy is I always had a fear of heights. And so I would have anxiety around that. Hiking was great, but if it was hiking where we were going up really high elevations and where there was like an overlook, I would immediately be like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, you know, and that feeling in your body would start of I'm scared, you know, and I found that there is a connection between my meditation and my calming of my nervous system and my ability to be able to deal with that very easily. So I wasn't afraid right? We were taking these crazy hikes where there was very little room on the trail and there were these big old cliffs on the left side. And I would just, it wouldn't bother me. I was aware that I had to be careful, but it was kind of like, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And I got more caught up in the goal and what was happening than the fear Mm -hmm. of, oh my God, I'm so close to this drop-off point. But so it's been really fun to see these other areas of my life that Mm -hmm. I typically would have been very cautious of and to be more relaxed in those settings. Wow, that's great. Do you have some other books you wanted to share on your stack? I have a whole stack here. So there's another book, which I I really enjoyed. 
It's from Dr. Dispenza and it's called Becoming Supernatural. So in this book, it talks a lot about the meditative process. It talks a lot about Kundalini yoga and breath work. It talks about meditation and the power of meditation, physiologically what it's doing, as well as visualization and manifestation. So there's a lot of really good stuff that you can get from this book. So I've really enjoyed that. And it's also helped to refine my practice of visualization, which I find really fun. I I think it's like being a kid again, right? So Mm -hmm. you're you're able to just let loose your creativity and your kind of little child in you and, and just imagine whatever it is that you want to do, whatever you want to be, and just kind of have intentional targeted thoughts around mm-hmm. that, thinking around that. And so that's a really good book. I would recommend that. Before you uh, move on to the next book, can you share that story about the earring back? Oh, I would. Oh, yes. And we okay. and we chatted about that because I didn't share that with too many people because I thought that, you know, they would think I was cuckoo. <laughs> so. In working with the Dispenza kind of protocol, because he does a lot with meditation and visualization, he talks about how as you do this more frequently and more consistently and you get better and better and better at it, that don't be surprised if unusual weird things happen. So I listened to that and I thought, wow, that would be really cool. But you know, the chances of that happening to me are zero. It's just, it happens to other people, but it's not going to happen to me. So probably about a month and a half ago, I had a lunch date with a very good friend. And in preparing for that lunch date, I had put on a pair of earrings that I really liked. They were my favorite earrings. But before I left the house, one of the earrings came out of my ear and it fell. And I realized that the back of the earring was not adhered to, or it wasn't on the back anymore. It had fallen somehow. I didn't have time to look for the back of the earring. So I took the (laughs) earrings off and I put them on the counter in the kitchen. I left for my appointment. I got to the restaurant. My friend was already seated at a table and that table was a rectangular wooden table and there was nothing on the table. I don't even think that there was utensils rolled up in a napkin. It was clean. So I sat down, she was already sitting down and then we made our order and the waiter brought our order and our plates. So now we're having lunch and we both have plates in front of us and we're both enjoying our lunch and just chatting. And I'm sharing with her a little bit about my work and my new psychiatrist and kind of these, these ideas, these crazy ideas that I have. And, you know, she's kind of looking at me like, well, you know, that's, that's interesting, but I'm not sure if I you know, buy that. So at the end of our meal, the waiter came to take our plates and mine was the first plate that he took. When he picked up the plate, he was standing next to me and he looked down on the table and he said, what is that? And I looked down and I saw a little gold earring back. Now, when I saw it, I wasn't shocked. It was weird. It was kind of like, oh my gosh, that's the back of my earring. And my friend said, you don't have any earrings on. Where did that come from? So when I saw that, I thought maybe this is my cool spooky thing that's supposed to happen to me. And we then sat for a little while and talked about it because it was happening right in front of her and in front of me at that time. So that was a really cool experience that I found gave me even more confidence about all of these interesting things that I have learned that 
sometimes, you know, you don't quite understand why things happen the way they do, but things do happen that we can't explain. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those moments where I felt like, you know, whatever changes or transformations that I'm creating in my life, that that was a little breadcrumb telling me to keep going. Mm-hmm. That I am manifesting and creating things that I want to experience in my life. And that was, uh, you know, what I call a breadcrumb. That's Yeah, that's a really, I love that story. I also think that we are creators regardless. And so sometimes if we don't hone that skill, we can inadvertently create negative things in our lives or through our own negative thoughts or whatever, and that we don't connect the dots between our thought processes and the way it manifests in our lives. So I feel like there isn't really much of a choice. We are creators. We do manifest through our thoughts and intentions, and we just need to learn to control that and just set really positive intentions and improve our energy so that the time from the intention and the time at which point it manifests in our lives become shorter so that the moment you intend something very quickly, it, it's going to show up. I do find that the better my energy, the more quickly resources or ideas will come up when I'm reaching for it on an energy level. So sometimes I will start with what I call my energy breaths at the beginning of a session just to have insight about what would be good to do for that patient in that session. And as I'm doing that quick little meditation, which takes all of one or two minutes, the ideas will come. And then I would be able to you know, move forward with what's relevant for that individual during that session. So I think it's great that you brought up Joe Dispenza's book. Tell me the title of the book again. The title of the book, he's got several, but this is a really good one. It's called Becoming Supernatural. Becoming Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the title made me go, hmm, I'd like to be supernatural. <laughs> like a fun project to work on. I think it's also an interesting thing that you just said that reminded me of several times where when we had a session where we were going to identify a therapeutic issue or idea or something that I wanted to work on. And sometimes I would say, hmm, let me think about it. And in the moments when I was thinking about it, you would come up with something. And I would think that's so strange because I was just thinking about that. Mm. So I have found there to be these coincidences that happen where if I'm not quite clear, then sometimes you may bring something up that I think, yeah, I was just thinking about that. And I think we should work on that. So those kinds of coincidences or energy happens during the session, which is Mm -hmm. very remarkable. I have no explanation for it, but I've learned that there's a lot of things that have no explanation or that actually do have quite a bit of explanation, but I might not know what that is, right? So I have to go through the process of learning and being curious and reading and exploring and That's been a really fun process for me because I have the time now to do that. Mm -hmm. That's Um, great. How about before we summarize our podcast, have you introduced one last book or one last intervention that you wanted the audience to be aware of? I would say two things from a book perspective. I haven't read the book, but I listened to an hour and a half presentation by Lynn McTaggart. I don't think it's a new book. It's been around for a little while called The Power of Eight. 
one of my intentions that I've been working on for several months is that I could create a community of women that would come together and we could help each other and certainly help heal others. That was kind of my intention. And all of a sudden, I started getting invitations from other women to kind of introduce myself or to talk about certain subjects that we were all interested in, such as energy healing and things like that. And more importantly, I wanted to start and create a group of eight myself. This is a way that I kind of put some of these practices to more practical use. And I am a curious person. I know these things are based in science. I know her work has been studied by researchers and scientists and all kinds of people. One, it's a good book. And I think also for anyone who's interested in exploring and having this more open approach, open mind about some of the things that we've been talking about, to be curious and to reconnect with that little child inside of you that had no limits. Everything was possible. Very interesting things start to happen when you start to feed that energy and to have that be more of what you're focused on than what we normally focus on, which is a lot of negativity, especially right now, and a lot of doubt and a lot of low self-confidence or whatever you're holding on to in terms of energy to change that. And you can change it. It can be very transformative. Yeah, I love that message. I thought what we could do is at the very end of our podcast to kind of summarize things and organize it for someone who's like swimming now with all of this information that we've covered, how to enhance and maximize our chances to have a successful process for medication withdrawal. Because now the the audience is aware that it's not just about medication withdrawal, it's really about a transformative, positive process. And it's really about becoming more than the illness, like allowing yourself to become aware that you have power over that illness and that the illness doesn't define you to be able to open yourself up to the possibility of completely healing when everybody else and the status quo says, you know, you're supposed to be on this medication or these medications for the rest of your life. It's really, it takes a lot of courage. So maybe what we can summarize, I'm going to just go through spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, social. So I'm going to say a few things. And if you want to add more that I've forgotten, we'll just say what is kind of important each of those areas. So on a spiritual level, I would say using energy medicine techniques, meditation, having faith and courage in you as a creative person who can transform the experience. And being able to focus on loving and accepting yourself and having greater compassion and using the tools that we have in terms of energy medicine or journaling to help you with that. Anything else to add with the spiritual part that could maximize our ability? I would I would underscore and highlight really loving yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. That is so important. It's been such a, a wonderful kind of exploration within myself, how that makes you feel whole. There's a sense of wholeness. So really taking that as a priority in your life to mm-hmm. really, it's not just self-care, it's self-love. Mm, wonderful. Deep sense of self-love. So let's move on to from spiritual to mental. Mental, if we were to summarize all of the different mental things that could be helpful for maximizing a person's chance to do well 
I would say the first thing is putting your mind in a positive state and more relaxed state, and also to be able to explore avenues where you can be successful, whether it's through books or other materials online, YouTube, or it could be someone's weekly newsletters or whatever. Mental would be not having negative self-talk. Again, meditation is a mental process. Those are things that I was thinking might be important for maximizing someone's mental health. In addition, functional medicine, of course, puts an emphasis on diet and supplements that will help the mental processes to happen through the physical body. Anything else that you might want to mention? Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that mental has a lot to do with your nutrition. So if you're eating bad things, if you're eating kind of garbagey processed food, that's going to affect your mental state. You're going to feel less focused and less sharp, which is part of you know the healing process to be able to have that capability. And I would also add for myself, it's a goal every day to learn something new. Mm, Every day. I was telling my husband the other day, I said, okay, I've been doing this for eight and a half months. So for eight and a half months, every day, Saturdays and Sundays included, I put that out to myself, learn something new every day. Mm -hmm. It sounds silly, but it led me to so many interesting places Mm -hmm. where I would explore one little thing that would lead me down this trail of, oh my goodness, this is such a cool area. And Mm -hmm. in the last half months, I've learned about geopolitics. I've learned about economics. I've learned about investments because all of these things were just little tiny things that I learned that led me to having a curiosity about learning more. And so I think for my mental health, Mm -hmm. it created kind of a muscle, right? Mm -hmm. My brain and my mind, the muscle started working. So I think that was really helpful for me. That's great. Some patients have mentioned to me that's really helpful for their health. And I don't know where to put this, but they said sleep was very important and putting a priority on a good sleep hygiene and being able to get enough sleep. And I think one of the things that happens when we live a very stressful life is that we start to cut into much sleep we, we allow ourselves that can have a negative impact mentally. Can I add one more thing to mental? Sure. You talked about positive is I would say stay away from dramatic violent movies Mm. and that kind of energy. For me, it disturbs my sleep. It disturbs me. It just makes me feel not good. Yeah. Um, And I think that the more we can stay away from those Mm -hmm. those types of uh, interactions or watch something uplifting, watch something, you know, educational, watch something that makes you feel good be mindful of all of that that you're taking in kind of right. you, that, that can be junk food too for the yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So true. And then let's look at the emotional in terms of emotional. I feel like it's important for us to de-stress in the sense that we have to look at our relationships. We want to look at our relationship with work in terms of emotional. We have to look at our internal thoughts that we say about ourselves Of course, in terms of what we do here in my practice, we work on the emotional aspect, both with the supplements, the diet, and the energy work. We keep using the EET logo synthesis and ask and receive to help release blockages to past traumas or belief systems that can really affect our emotional status. 
Anything else that you want to add as a summary in terms of emotional? For me, what has really helped emotionally is to be driven and motivated by a a vision of the future, right? Mm. A lot of yucky things happened. I'm not going to live there. Mm -hmm. So I really wake up with this discipline around being connected to that and to not ruminate and not to live in the past and not to let that be an energy that keeps me there, back there. Mm -hmm. I take it as a practice because you really have to be thinking about what you're thinking about. You have to be so aware of your thoughts Mm -hmm. that you know when you're doing that, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of flip back there and you start to have these, which has happened to me, you know, with Mm -hmm. different things that have happened in the last two years where you'll have a thought or something will trigger your mind. Mm -hmm. So I would say if that's helpful to people to be more driven by the vision of your future, what you want it to be, to try not to live in in the past where it may have been hurtful or negative. Well, I think that as you were talking, I was also realizing that there is one thing that really helps me emotionally, especially during rough times, and it is a spiritual foundation. So one of the things that I try to believe in is a very magnanimous, loving universe and my connection to that infinite resource of life energy. And it gives me the internal courage and emotional resilience, I think, to handle a lot of adversity because I feel taken care of by, I guess, in some ways in my mind, I think of that energy as being very mothering and very fathering to me so that if I were to need something, I turn to that and So it's a spiritual practice, but it's very helpful in terms of my ability to handle a negativity in my own life. And when everything else is taken away, I still can rely on that as a kind of a foundation and root source of my happiness because it doesn't come from my job. It doesn't come from how I look. It doesn't come from the weather and whether the weather is good or whatever external environmental factor is out of my control. I can control my relationship with this infinite source of goodness. I imagine it's there, whether it's there or not. I don't care. I just imagine that it is there. Mm -hmm. And I've gone through emotionally anyways, it's, it's very traumatic sometimes as a holistic psychiatrist, the amount of pushback that I get within the medical community when I was just starting out, especially as a holistic psychiatrist and how that can create fear as a holistic psychiatrist when you're just starting out. And when I relied on, okay, this spiritual, I guess, guidance or beacon makes me feel like this is the right path. I go down that path regardless of whatever social circumstances might be happening around me that creates fear in going down that path. So spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and just summarize quickly about the physical part. We definitely very closely monitor the supplement regimen. It's balanced with the medications, the diet, detox, making sure that on the physical level, you know, you're getting enough sleep, that you do exercise. I think those are most of the physical aspects. And of course, being disciplined with taking the medication and the supplements and kind of lowering the medications in very small increments. I wanted to say that we use a compounding pharmacy to help create 
dosing that will allow us to be able to help you easily lower the dosage because we convert medications to a liquid form and then use a syringe to measure how much you take every day. So on the physical level, we don't want to stress the body out too much. So we're not saying to the audience, you just set this intention that you can come off six medications next week and you can take a few supplements and voila, everything's going to happen. There is the physical laws that need to be fulfilled. And then there are spiritual laws or energy laws that we need to be aware of that can augment and support that, that we don't you know, expect your body to go into conniptions and struggle with the withdrawal. We give it time. We give it time to manifest the healing process and adjustments that needs to happen in order for you to lower some of these medications gradually over time. Anything else on the physical aspect? I would agree with you on all those points. I think that for me, because I am a disciplined person, I need to have routine and structure. So I think that we're all busy and there's a lot of distractions to the extent that you can have a practice around all of that, right? So physical for me means moving, right? Taking a walk, taking a hike, going to the gym, whatever I do. And I do that faithfully Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And then in between that, I'll do some fun things with my husband in terms of hiking. So I just think that for me, discipline is a big deal. And I find that people that are disciplined have an easier time of compliance and of getting everything in that they, because I mean, we've just given a lot of stuff. You're like, oh my God, how am I going to do all this? And that's how I do it. The routine. I have structure. I want to put a plug in here in the physical place with what we had talked about at one point about the anti-aging effects of living a good life. So I just want to mention that Anna right now is 60 years old, but she literally looks like she's 35. So I just want to everybody know that by living this life, it's not about the moisturizers. <laughs> it's not about, you know, whatever. It's like when you put the good things in and you live a good life and you do the meditations, it actually slows down the aging process. And you do have more years of kind of a healthy, radiant existence. So the last level of being that I want us to talk about and summarize to help people to know what to do to augment and maximize their chance of being able to come off medications is social. So what are some of the social stuff? I would say off the top of my head, right relationships, positive relationships, minimize stress whether it's in your job or in your relationships or in your environment. Socially, I think there should be some connection, positive friendships, even if it's on Zoom nowadays because of the pandemic. I would say socially, uh, it's important for us to find purpose in terms of our social context. It's not just about the ego focusing on one's health and just everything is all about the self. The social, I think, is all about the flow of energy where good energy comes into you and then you're sharing that good energy with someone else so that it's kind of magnified into the social environment and you can see the joy being created in someone else's life. I think that feeds back into that upward spiral of social positivity. Anything else, Anna, that you feel? Yeah, I think it's really important. That's one of my uh, practices every day is to connect with family and friends. Mm -hmm. So it may sound a little dorky, but this is something I literally write in my journal every day. 
connect with family and friends. So it's constantly reinforced, right? Mm -hmm. I just pounding it into my head. And the reason why I do that is because I want to make sure that I'm conscious. It isn't going to go by without me reaching out to somebody. And my reaching out to them is not about me. It's about how are you doing? How's it going? I know that some of my friends are going through a hard time. So just kind of being there for them. Mm -hmm. And that makes you feel so good. If somebody's listening to this and they're having a hard time, that might be a hard thing for you to do right now. Mm -hmm. As I got better and better and better, it felt really good to take care of others because others had to take care of me. Mm -hmm. And so it felt so much better <laughs> mm. to, to be able to do that for other people. It, yeah. it definitely it makes you feel happy and joyful and purposeful. You have a purpose beyond just taking care of yourself. So I do think that that's really important to try to do that on a daily basis if you can. Sometimes it's just a text. Mm -hmm. You know, how are you doing? It just seconds. You don't have to make it a big thing. Right. When we think about love as an energy and as a word, I think of it as something so spiritual that it can't be reduced to just a three-dimensional experience. It has to be four-dimensional. It has to be lived through and experienced through time. And I think that bringing love into your life socially involves this flow of spiritual energy where you're bringing love into your life in some positive way. And then you allow that love to be sent out into the world. Love has to be dynamically flowing. It has to be moving. Just saying, I love you without the actions and without the actual living it and helping someone experience it just reduces that whole spiritual experience to a place where it no longer has as much of an, I don't know, existence, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think on a social level, if we want to activate love as an energy socially, it really is a circle and it has to flow. All right. Well, I really enjoyed our conversation today. I feel like we've kind of tried to give our audience lots of good tools to help them rethink how healing should be and how to maximize their chances of getting better. I think that it's helpful for anyone who's thinking about lowering their psychiatric medications to have a guide, someone who has some experience and who knows how to get that testing done for them so they know how to, you know, manipulate the medications in time in balance with the supplements. But I think our giving the audience other tools that doesn't require always having the, the right doctor. And hopefully that'll help them move along in, in really good ways. So for the audience, if you've enjoyed today's content, please subscribe to this weekly podcast. I really appreciate Anna being on my show. It's been really great getting uh, a sense of where you're coming from that's making your withdrawal so successful. And of course, we all agree that Anna's already an amazing person, <laughs> regardless of what, what she does with the medication withdrawal process. I hope also as a message to the audience that what we've done today will help you to feel less stigmatized and less ashamed of having all these labels that you end up with when you have mental health problems, because I hope you've realized how amazing people can 
have also mental health problems and suffer greatly. And also to learn from Anna and how she picked herself up and is able to overcome some of the challenges that she had experienced in her recovery. So please subscribe to my weekly podcast for more amazing information. And also please subscribe to my weekly updates on my website. Website is holisticpsychiatrist.com for more wonderful stories and insights from my holistic practice and where you'll find links to all my social media platforms. Until next time, let's keep building our well-being from the thought up and have a miraculous, joyful week. Thank you for listening. The content provided by this podcast is for informational purposes only and has not been approved by the US FDA. This podcast is not intended to provide personal medical advice, which should be obtained from a medical professional. An Ironic Media Production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.